0: We've been talking about the Lord Jesus Christ for several weeks. We began before Easter Sunday and looking at the incarnation of Jesus. Then we looked at the crucifixion of Jesus, His death on the cross where He paid for our sins. And then we looked at the resurrection of Jesus and how important that is that He was raised from the dead where God declared that He was satisfied with Jesus' life. He was satisfied with his death on the cross for our sins. And then last Sunday, we began looking at the ascension of Jesus, that clearly though Jesus has been raised from the dead, he's no longer here on this earth. And we look to God's word to see the revelation that's given to us from the pages of scripture about his ascension. We saw the reason for His ascension where God was responding to the Lord Jesus Christ and His willingness to come in His incarnation and become a part of mankind. He was responding to His crucifixion, His death on the cross, which was an act of obedience on a part of the Son to the will of the Father. We saw the reality of the ascension. And now this morning, I want us to continue... Considering the ascension of Christ by looking at some of the results that occurred because of the ascension of Jesus. If you have your Bible, turn over. We'll be moving around to different places again this morning, but we'll begin in the Gospel of John in John chapter 7. I don't know if you've ever really given it much thought about the fact that Jesus' earthly ministry, when he came the first time, didn't end until His ascension. It didn't end at the cross. It didn't end after His resurrection. But it ended after His ascension. Because when you look at those days between the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus, where Jesus is still here appearing to his disciples over those 40-day period, you recall it was during that time that Jesus was still teaching and preparing his disciples for the mission ahead of them that would begin after he was to leave them. Jesus was teaching them. In fact, if you recall, over the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew 28 and 19 and 20, where we had the Great Commission, that commission was given to his disciples after his resurrection. So Jesus, in those 40 days or so, between his resurrection and his ascension, is still preparing and teaching and training his disciples. And is there that God's plan of redemption is revealed more to them that they are to go to make disciples in all of the world? They are to witness for him. But as I said, this mission would not start until Jesus had left and returned to heaven to be with his father. As Jesus said on more than one occasion he came from the Father he was sent from the Father and he was going to return to the Father and as we looked at the reality of the ascension last Sunday together we saw that it was actually by the power of God the Father that the Father was the one who ascended him back to heaven the one who lifted him up off the ground and brought him back into heaven and welcomed him there. It was the Father who did this for His Son. But before He left, Jesus gave the commission of His disciples to go and to make disciples, make disciples of Christ, to do this in all the world, in all the nations. But to fulfill this mission, they were going to need the Spirit of God working for them. And they were going to need the Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ himself working for them from heaven. And none of this was going to happen until Jesus ascended back to heaven. If you recall, go back now to John chapter 7 where I had you turn a moment ago. And look down in verses 38 and 39 where Jesus here is speaking. And he says, he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given. Why is that? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. The Spirit as Jesus is going to be teaching them was not going to be given to them until he was glorified and that is until he returned back to heaven. In fact, go over and look at John chapter 16 for a moment. John chapter 16. Jesus is telling them in verse 5, But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Notice again what Jesus is saying. He's saying it is to their advantage that he actually goes away because if he doesn't go away, and that is if he doesn't ascend back to the Father, then the helper is not going to come. He's not going to send the Holy Spirit. They're not going to be receiving the Holy Spirit as he spoke about there in John chapter 7. This is why they needed The the Spirit to come for the work that they're going to be charged to do and they're going to need the Savior back in heaven for the work that they are charged to do and in their walk with the Lord. So what are the results that we see from the ascension of Christ? Well, let's first look at it from the standpoint of the Spirit of God and the Spirit's work. As we have seen here from these two passages we just read in the Gospel of John, that the Holy Spirit was not going to be sent until after the ascension of Christ, till after Jesus was glorified and he had gone back to be with the Father. And after he had gone back to be with the Father, glorified before the Lord, the Spirit was going to be sent. This is something that was promised by the Lord Jesus himself. And one of the first results we're going to see of that and the Spirit's work in him sending of the Spirit is the establishing of the church. With the sending of the Spirit, we have the establishing of the church. Go over to the book of Acts with me for just a moment now. Go to Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1. In verse 3, we're told that Jesus has been making appearances to his apostles. He's been presenting himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 7, he says, It's not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Notice carefully there, Jesus tells them, Gathered together, that they need to wait until the Spirit of God has been poured out upon them, until the Spirit of God has come upon them and they've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this actually happens, he says, not many days from now. And when we get over to Acts chapter 2, this is when this promise is fulfilled that the Spirit of God is poured out upon them. And they're baptized by the Holy Spirit, and they're baptized by the Holy Spirit into the Lord Jesus Christ, into the church. In fact, if you go over to Acts chapter 2, look in Acts chapter 2 for a moment. If you follow the, the preaching of Peter here on the day of Pentecost, he focuses on the incarnation of Jesus, he speaks about the crucifixion there of Jesus in verse 23. Then beginning in verse 24, his message is about the resurrection of Jesus, saying that David even taught about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of the Messiah, but God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in his power. But then he begins to focus on the ascension of Jesus. Verse 32, this Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses, therefore having been exalted to the right hand of God, that's referring to the ascension of Christ, Peter understanding when that when Jesus ascended out of their presence into heaven and God welcomed him, he seated him at his right hand having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. Again, letting us know that what happened there on Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost is the fulfillment of what Jesus told them when he gathered them together right before he ascended, and he said, you need to wait not many days from now, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit, and in receiving the Holy Spirit and Him coming upon you, you're going to be baptized with the Spirit of God. And Peter is saying, this is what is happening. This is what you're seeing. This is what you're experiencing. Notice how he ties it in, verse 34. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord. That is, God said to God, One God but two distinct persons involved in the Godhead here. The Lord is speaking to the Lord and he says to him, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Again, here is... Peter letting us know that the Old Testament taught the ascension of Jesus, that David, King David, taught the ascension of Jesus. So when you go to Psalm 110 in verse 1 that Peter's referring to here, and David says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit! That he understood that that meant after his death, after his resurrection, it wasn't David who was going to ascend to heaven. It was going to be the Messiah who's going to ascend back to heaven, resurrected and glorified to have the Father welcome him and say, sit here at my right hand. So Jesus' ascending led to the sending of the Spirit of God and that sending of the Spirit of God to see the baptism of the Holy Spirit for those who are disciples of Christ. And we have here the establishing of the church. As we're taught over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13, we're taught by God's Word that by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. And that one body is the church. We're all baptized into one body by the Spirit of God and that is the church. And understand, beloved, this being baptized with the Spirit of God is really the same thing as receiving the Holy Spirit. It's not for us some second blessing. It's not something that comes sometime after we are saved in that sense. It is something for us on this side of the cross, this side of the resurrection, and now this side of the ascension in that sense of believing in Christ, it is something Thing that we just get to experience by God when we receive the Holy Spirit, when we believe upon Him, when we believe upon Christ. And let me just show you that for a moment. Go over to Acts chapter 10 for a moment. In Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10 we have Peter who is given a vision to go to the house of a Gentile by the name of Cornelius. He goes there, he's preaching him, preaching to them, he's preaching to them, Jesus, and we're told in verse 44 that while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. The Holy Spirit came upon them. Now notice what he says in verse 47. Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit. That's what Peter is saying. They received the Holy Spirit. They were baptized with the Spirit. That is, they received the Holy Spirit. And notice he says, just as we did. Over in chapter 11... Peter comes back and they hear that he went to the house of a Gentile and this was something that was forbidden in those days. And the the leaders there in Jerusalem call Peter in and want to hear from Peter, what's going on? What is this you have done? And Peter begins to speak to them about this. And notice over in chapter 11 and verse 15, when Peter's giving the testimony of what happened, he says, and as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. And I remembered... The word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Peter was saying, look, as they were sitting there listening to me speak, they believed. And in believing in what I was saying, they, he understood the Spirit of God had been poured out upon them and they had been baptized by the Spirit. They had received the Spirit of God in believing upon Christ. And this all started, remember, the Spirit wasn't going to be sent to work in this way as we're talking about until Jesus had ascended back to heaven. So with Jesus ascending back to heaven and then waiting those days when the Spirit of God came down on the day of Pentecost and we see him coming down here with Cornelius, what we see then is now the Spirit of God is establishing the church whereby he is baptizing Those who are the true believers in Christ into the body of Christ. This is something the Spirit began to do after the ascension of Christ. So now we think about that. The Spirit was sent. And the church began. And with the church beginning, the Spirit coming upon them, beloved. Remember what Jesus said. He told them to wait. Now, he's already given them the mission. He gave them the mission there in Matthew 28. And he says, go make disciples. Go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Go to the ends of the earth. And then you put that together in Acts chapter 1. And he says, but you wait. You wait until the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you receive the promise that I told you about, the promise of being baptized with the Holy Spirit, then the power will come upon you to go and to be my witness. Thus, they couldn't fulfill the mission that Jesus had given them until he ascended to heaven and the sending of the Holy Spirit. But now that's happened. And with that happening, now they are to go to fulfill the mission, the mission of the church, the mission of the disciples of Christ, our mission as well. And what's that mission? Our mission is to go make disciples. How? By telling and testifying of Jesus Christ and the good news of salvation in Him and then by teaching those who come to believe and become followers and disciples of Christ. But we need the Spirit's work for that to occur. For us to be able to do that. So let's look not just at the results of the Spirit's establishing of the church. Let's look also at the results of the Spirit and the evangelism of the church. The mission of the church. The telling and the testifying. Go with me now for a moment. Go back to the Gospel of John. Go back to John. Let's start in John 16 for a moment. In John 16. John 16. And when we read through these verses, something I want you to notice. I want you to notice when Jesus is speaking to them that he keeps making reference to when he comes. That is, when the Helper comes. When the Holy Spirit comes. This is what's going to be the result of that for them. John chapter 16. We were reading it a moment ago. There, beginning in verse 5, where he says, But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And verse 8, and he, when he comes, when he sends to him, sends him in the future that he's talking about after he goes away in the ascension, when he comes, here's what he's going to do. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. This is all tying in to, if you think about it, for us and our mission of going out and making disciples by telling people the good news of salvation in Christ and by testifying to them about who Jesus is and what Jesus did for them on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. Look, if you will, over in chapter 15 of John. Verse 26 and 27. When the helper comes, and that's the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And you will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus says, look, it's to your advantage that I go away because when I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you and when the Holy Spirit comes to you, he is going to testify for me, he's going to be testifying in and through you for me about who I am and he's going to be convicting the world about their sin, about their need of righteousness and about judgment. And that goes back to what we read a moment ago over in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 where Jesus says, look, go and wait there in Jerusalem and when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to go out and to be my witness, to witness, testify for me testify about the the resurrection, testify about who I am and what it is I did. Start right here in Jerusalem, go out to Judea, go out to Samaria, and then carry it to the ends of the earth, carry it to all of the world, because you have a mission to go and make disciples of all the nations. You see, beloved, when you put all this together, what you see is, is with the ascension of Christ and having the sending of the Spirit, what you see is it's the Spirit who's going to be convicting, convincing sinners of their need of salvation. It is the Spirit who regenerates that cold, dead heart and gives a person a new heart in salvation. It is the Spirit who seals that sinner who believes in Jesus Christ for the day of redemption, guaranteeing that their salvation that they have is for all eternity. It is the Spirit who fills and empowers us as we go out to tell and testify about Jesus Christ as we go out to proclaim the gospel of Christ. That's why, as I said to before as Paul says over 1 Corinthians 2 our preaching and our sharing our evangelizing is to be done in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power why because we want that person's faith to be resting on the power of God not on our cleverness not on our techniques see this is the results that we see in the ascension The Spirit's establishing of the church and the Spirit's work in evangelizing from the church. But also, when you think about the Great Commission, the making of disciples, it is go. And that's the evangelism, having gone to go out and make disciples. But that's not the end of it. Also, he says, and teach them. So we go out and tell and testify about Jesus and as the Spirit convicts and convinces and people put their faith in Christ and all by the power of God and the demonstration of the Spirit as we proclaim the Gospel, they become a disciple of Christ and now we begin to, to teach them. This is what we call in the, the edification, the edifying of the church, the strengthening of disciples, the strengthening of believers. God's people, though saved, still need to grow. And the sending of the Holy Spirit after the ascension, as Jesus talked about, is key to the growth and our edification. Let me show you that in three areas. One, by the Word of God. The Spirit's role in the Word of God. We understand that the, the Bible teaches us that it is the Word of God that sanctifies us. It's the Word of God that sets us free from sin. It is the Word that is active and living and powerful and is able to get down into the very depths of our soul and expose who we are, expose our motives, expose our actions, expose what we're really about. And it is the Spirit that would be involved definitely, clearly, in an authoritative way in the the writing and the putting together of the New Testament which would really be for us, the church. And let me just show you this. And this is again tied with Jesus going away and the Spirit coming. You're still there in the Gospel of John. we think about just the inspiration of the Scriptures and, and what we have in the Gospels from the book of Acts to the epistles to the book of Revelation, look over for a moment. Look over in John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Jesus is teaching them different things. And he he teaches them in John chapter 14. Notice in verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Here's what he's going to do. For you, when he sends him in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. You see, the disciples who were going to be instrumental in the actual New Testament that we have, especially when you think about the Gospels, all that Jesus had taught, all the things that Jesus had done, it was the disciples who had been there from the beginning. And his disciples who would be able to remember that by the Spirit of God. And that's what he's telling them. You're not going to have to depend just on your own memory trying to remember all of these things. He's saying when I send the Holy Spirit and when he comes, one of the things he's going to do for you is he's going to guide you into truth. But he's going to also bring to remembrance all that I said to you. Thus, That tells me, beloved, when we look at the Gospels, we have everything that we need and everything that God wanted us to have. Now, sure, are there some questions we would love to maybe know just for information's sake? Sure, I'd like to know more about the life of Jesus as a little boy. I mean, all we have is him being born, we have him being circumcised, and then we have him then later on about 11- and 12-year-old boy. We don't know anything about those years in between, but God didn't see fit for them to know those things. Because now we're told right here when the Spirit comes, He's going to bring to your remembrance all that I said. All that you need to know, and my people will need to know to live for me. That's the fruit of the Spirit of God coming. Look over in John chapter 16. Go back to John chapter 16. And notice just as he said there a moment ago, I've spoken to you while abiding with you. Now in John chapter 16, and verse 12, he says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, you see, there it is, the spirit of truth coming, which is tied to when he leaves, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. So you think about that phrase. Jesus has already now told them, look, when the Spirit of God comes, and you receive the Spirit, and he comes upon you, he's going to help you remember all that I said. And not only that, he's going to disclose to you some things that are in the future. What is to come? This covers the whole New Testament for us. This is instrumental for us in understanding who we are and how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to be as followers of Christ now, as disciples of Christ, here in the church and this mission that we've been given. And the Spirit of God was there as a part of that. But Beloved, if you go over, you don't need to do this, but that's in the inspiration of the the Scriptures that we have. But also on our part, on our behalf, we need the Spirit of God for the illumination of those Scriptures. That is to rightly understand them and rightly apply them. And you know what? We're told over in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 20 and in verses 26 and 27, we're taught there that we have an something called an anointing that is abiding in us. And that anointing is the Spirit of God that is there to teach us and to help us to understand the Word of God. So, beloved, what is key for us is that when the Spirit of God came as a result of the ascension of Christ back to heaven where He was seated at the right hand of the Father and He fulfilled that promise of sending the Spirit, we have the inspiration of the Scriptures that we have in the New Testament and we have the anointing of the Spirit of God that helps us to understand what it is that he had written down not only that when we think about our edification our growing think about your walk with God I mean we're told over here in John chapter 14 in verse 16 and 17 where Jesus says I will ask the father and he will give you another helper and he may be with you forever and that is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive Because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. You see, in our walk with God, we're not walking in our own strength. We're not walking by ourselves. We're walking by the power and the presence of the Spirit of God who's not only with us, but he abides in us. He indwells us. He lives in us. This is important for us in our growing in Christ likeness but also, beloved, we think not just about the Word of God or our walking with God, but thirdly, our working with and our working for God. And this brings us to the, the spiritual gifts that the Spirit of God gives to the church that is actually connected to the ascension of Christ and the Spirit coming. Look over with me for just a moment. Look over in Ephesians. Chapter 4. Go to Ephesians chapter 4 for just a moment. Verse 7. Paul writes, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, He led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above the heavens so that he might feel all things, and he gave some as apostles. See, this is the giving of gifts to men. When he ascended on high, what he did was he gave some, he gave gifts to men. And now we see in verse 11, this giving here, the gifts are the spiritual gifts. And you look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and what you see is it is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit himself, who determines and distributes the spiritual gifts to each believer as he sees fit. It's all distributed according to his will. And he gives some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as teachers. And what was the purpose of this? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ. This is why you look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Each person is given certain spiritual gifts from the Spirit of God for the common good of everyone else. See, the gifts that God's given me are not for me, they're for you. And the gifts that God has given you, the spiritual gifts he's given you, are not for you, they're for all of us. See, that's what that's why we needed, but notice when did this happen? When he ascended on high, then he gave the gifts. This is the work of the spirit. Real quickly, let me just point out one other thing in the spirit. And that would be in the worshiping and the exalting of our Savior you stop me. you just kind of put it together, we've been looking at the the evangelizing of sinners, we've been looking at the edifying of saints, and then we look at the church and our mission of exalting the Savior. If you're there in Ephesians, just look over at Ephesians chapter 5 for a moment. You look at verse 18 where we're told, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be filled with the Spirit. That is, we're supposed to be under the influence and control of the Spirit of God. And when you read verse 19, what you see there is that when we are being filled with the Spirit of God, it will have an impact on our worshiping and our exalting of our Savior. Because he says there in verse 19, speaking to one another. So this is talking about a gathering together as the body of Christ. Believers gathering together, speaking to one another. And what are we speaking? We're speaking in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We're singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. We're doing it together. We're speaking to one another together to the Lord. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs making melody. We're doing this from the heart. A heart that is filled and controlled by the Spirit of God. So this is the work of the Spirit that he's doing in our lives and in our church. Because Jesus ascended back to heaven. And the Father sent the Spirit and poured him out as we see there in Acts chapter 2. And when we believe, when you put your faith in Christ, you received the Holy Spirit. You were baptized by the Spirit of God and you were gifted by the Spirit of God. And now you can be filled with the Spirit of God. And you can go out and proclaim the gospel by the Spirit of God. But let me just say one other thing. It wasn't just the Spirit's work that we needed after the ascension. It's the Savior's work that we needed after the ascension. That is, after Jesus was raised from the dead and he ascended back to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, he's working for us. He's working on our behalf. You say, How so? Well, he's our great high priest, Amen. he's our advocate. You look over in the book of Hebrews, and this is what you see. That Jesus is the one who passed through the heavens and he's that great high priest who can sympathize with us in our our weaknesses and our temptations to sin. So we have a high priest who can sympathize with us. As we're walking with God and we're walking in this sinful world, we have a high priest, the God-man. Remember, he's still man. When he was in heaven first, he wasn't man, he was just God. But when he went back, he was the resurrected, glorified God-man. And he's there as our forerunner. And he knows what it is to be a part of mankind and to struggle with temptation and sin that comes your way. Now, the thing for us, for Jesus, he's the great high priest because he never... Failed to that sin. He never succumbed to sin. He was without sin, but he understood what it was to have sin attacking you and coming out you, at you and he could sympathize with us. But even when we do sin, we're told in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, if anyone sins, we have an advocate who's with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's the one who's standing up for us. He's the one who's praying for us, interceding for us. This is all work Jesus began to do and was doing for us when he got back into heaven and he took his seat at the right hand of the Father. He's our high priest, he's our advocate, he's our intercessor. He's the one who's there doing these things on our behalf. Beloved, it is definitely to our advantage, as Jesus said, that he went back to be with the Father. Because when he went back to be with the Father... He was doing that ministry that we just talked about and he sent the Holy Spirit who's doing the ministry we've been talking about of establishing the church, the evangelizing of the church, the edifying of the church, the exalting and worshiping of the church. And what I hope our response to this would be is this. As believers, praise and thanksgiving, praising God and thanking him for his ascension and thanking him for the sending of the Spirit, thanking him for the work of the Spirit in our life, the work of the Spirit in our evangelism, the work of the Spirit in our worship, thanking him, thanking the Lord Jesus Christ for his work on our behalf. And when we stop and think about these things, these are not just for information's sake. It should lead us to worship and exalt him and praise him and love him more. But also, beloved, it should lead us to confidence. We should be confident that we can come and pray and talk to God because we get to approach the throne of God, which is the throne of grace. Why? Because we have a great high priest who's our forerunner who went before us. And he's opened that door for us. And so we can walk into the presence of God in prayer in confidence because we know, first off, that we are accepted solely because of the work of Christ through his life, his righteousness, his death for our sins. That's why I'm accepted. I'm just covered by Christ. So I get to walk into the presence of God being covered by Christ, knowing I'm accepted always, and just pray and pour out my heart to God. It should give me confidence Confidence to go out and preach the gospel, tell people about Jesus, testify about Jesus. Why? Because I know that I have the Spirit of God that's going to be out there convicting. It's going to be the Spirit of God that's going to be empowering me. I can trust God. Just give me confidence in this. Confidence to go out and teach. Teach believers. Knowing it's the Spirit. It's the Spirit who even has to convict them about sin. It's the Spirit who has to conform them into the image of Christ. It's the Spirit who's gifted them. It's the Spirit who works in them. It's the Spirit who gives them illumination and understanding of the Scriptures. You can't do that for someone. I can't do that for someone. But finally I would say this. For anyone here today, as Brother Nick was sharing a moment ago, if you've never put your faith in Christ, your response should be to yield to the Spirit of God and confess Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Because you see, all these promises we've been talking about, of having a helper, of having an advocate, of having a high priest, that's only for believers. If you haven't truly ever bowed your knee to Jesus and put your faith in Him, confessing your sinfulness and putting your faith in the life and the perfect life and the death on the cross for your sins and God's resurrection of Jesus from the dead, if you've never truly done that, please understand, you don't have an advocate with the Father. And you don't have a high priest. And you don't have the Spirit of God. You don't have a helper. And you don't have somebody guiding you in truth. And you don't have somebody walking with you and who's present with you always. You have to yield. You have to submit. You have to put your faith in Christ. And that may be where you are today. If so, beloved, I would plead with you. Put your faith in him. Believe in him. call on Jesus to save you. That needs to be your response. And I pray it will be. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads in prayer for a moment.